0: I had never heard of the term elder abuse until 22 years ago when my boss, the, uh, the elected DA, called me into his office and told me that he'd had a call from Adult Protective Services that uh, our office was ignoring, as well as law enforcement, were ignoring a huge escalating problem called elder abuse. So he decided that uh, he would designate me as the elder abuse prosecutor which I did not know what it was. And so he gave me this grand title of head of the unit. Of course, I was the only person in the unit. And uh, that began a journey that has taken me 22 years, and I'm still on that journey. And I think primarily it was because I was given a challenge uh, to investigate and prosecute cases that had never been prosecuted in our office before and in most of the cases i kept asking the question how would i feel if this victim was my own mother or my own father because they were both world war 2 survivors my dad was a bomber pilot in world war 2 shot down and survived and my mother survived the blitz in london so i kept equating the stories to my own situation with my parents and it lit a fire in me a passion that has never gone out and so it's been pretty much my career for 22 years and now now that i've retired from the office i wanted to become my career in later life to uh, travel around the country and try to motivate as many law enforcement and prosecutors as i can to get involved My main point was that a prosecutor cannot do it alone. Uh, We have to have everyone in the community involved and invested in it. We have to have law enforcement, we have to have social services, financial institutions, medical communities, first responder EMTs and paramedics, and all other kinds of groups involved. One of the typical responses from law enforcement is, that they don't investigate because, number one, they think that the victim is either going to be a poor witness on the witness stand because they say, well, they're forgetful, they've got dementia, they're not reliable, and that's a big, big mistake. Or secondly, the perpetrator may be a family member, and the victim says to the police officer, I don't want to press charges. And one of my main points was... You cannot allow victims to tell you which cases get investigated. Uh, Victims don't get to press charges. Only prosecutors get to press charges. And then my third point was that in too many instances, law enforcement make the mistake of calling an allegation of financial elder abuse a, quote, civil matter only, unquote. And my point there is that uh, police officers should never say that because that requires a legal conclusion that police officers are not qualified to give. And that should be made only by a qualified prosecutor who's got the facts in front of them. And there are two categories of those more at risk. Number one is the, the profile is of an elderly person who has just lost a lifetime partner, living alone, uh, doesn't drive anymore, relies upon the telephone, relies upon possibly a laptop or a desktop, relies upon cab drivers or electricians or plumbers to come in and do some work, uh, whose family may have kind of abandoned their own responsibilities, who live maybe quite a long way away, who don't visit very often. That is your most vulnerable victim in waiting. The other type of victim-in-waiting is the victim with disabilities or cognitive impairment. And that could be of any age. That could be a 45-year-old with autism uh, or with cerebral palsy. Uh, It could be a a 95-year-old person with advanced dementia. But it's somebody with cognitive challenges uh, who is going to be targeted by the opportunistic scammer or caregiver or relative the there's a, an incredible increase in the number of these cases for several reasons obviously the demographics is one we are the fastest growing segment of our entire population is the over 85s and we're all living longer so there are more and more of us that will reach 100 years of age or more and we, and we still don't have a cure for alzheimer's or other forms of dementia so Because of all those reasons, we have got more susceptible victims in waiting. I think we're also doing a better job at describing what this crime is so that people will identify with it and then will know, oh yeah, I need to call Adult Protective Services. So I think there is a greater awareness and a greater recognition, and as a result, there's a greater response from the general uh, public. But we're still not doing enough. We are going to be facing what some people have called a silver tsunami uh, in the next five years and we're not going to be in a position to cope with it. So we've got to find the money somehow to adequately uh, resource adult protective services. You've got to stay in regular touch with your elderly parent. Um, For example, My mother is ninety-five. She's a widow. Sadly I lost my dad three and three years, nine months ago to advanced Alzheimer's. She lives alone, six thousand miles away. What I do is I FaceTime with my mother every single day. So half an hour before you and I started speaking, I was on iPhone with my mother on FaceTime and I was able to see her face to face. So I know that today my mother's okay. She's not a victim of elder abuse. But so many adult children have abandoned their responsibility and they need to wake up and start getting more involved in their parents' lives if the parent will allow them to.